The local government news roundup is proudly supported by Davidson. For 30 years, Davidson has been strengthening the local government sector by identifying and providing the people, expertise and experience that local government needs to enhance its capability, productivity and performance. Davidson is nationally recognised for its executive recruitment services and over the past four years has built a business advisory practice rapidly evolving into one of the nation's foremost and trusted local government business consultancy firms. The Davidson methodology and approach is simple. Thinking beyond now and aiming to be a valued partner with your local government, not just for the immediate project, but for the next 30 years. Speak to Justin Hanney or Seamus Scanlon to find out more or head to davidsonwp.com.au. Davidson, your future, your partner. Coming up on the Roundup today, a council calls on its acting mayor to step aside, a rural mayor on the mend after a health scare, a customer service win for a Victorian council, a cyber attack on a council may have nationwide implications, New South Wales councils underwhelmed by state housing reforms, a council general manager resigns after just seven weeks, attacks on council storm recovery crews condemned and UK councils encouraged to sell off public assets. All of that and more just ahead on the Local Government News Roundup. I'm Chris Eddy. Welcome back to The Roundup, another curated selection of news for you today from and about councils across Australia and beyond. And it's brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association with Fast Track coming up on the 15th of March. Registrations open now with support from Davidson, the nationally recognised local government recruitment and business advisory service. It all starts in Victoria and Frankston City Council is in the news again today with the Herald Sun reporting that the council has passed a vote of no confidence in its acting mayor Liam Hughes. The council has called on Councillor Hughes to resign the mayoral position after missing a meeting and briefing session since he was promoted from deputy to acting mayor two weeks ago. That occurred after incumbent mayor Nathan Conroy took a leave of absence to contest the Dunkley by-election. Councillor Hughes is currently overseas on a university study tour and has refused to resign. He says he's informed the council he would be on leave until the 11th of February and that the no-confidence motion is a political stunt. The Mayor of Loddenshire says he's on the mend after a severe case of pneumonia saw him in and out of intensive care in a Bendigo hospital recently. Councillor Gavin Holt says he's home and improving after the health scare and he's thankful to fellow councillors for stepping in to chair the January council meeting and to carry out official Australia Day duties. The Mayor of Kingston, Jenna Davy-Burns, says she is extremely disappointed and frustrated after community facilities in Bicentennial Park were severely damaged in suspected arson attacks this week. No injuries or fatalities have occurred, but the incident will impact the Blue Jays baseball club and the broader community for an extended period. The council is assessing the damage and assisting police in the aftermath. 
The MAV has welcomed the release of the ACCC's Childcare Inquiry Final Report, which has taken on the peak body's advice that early childhood education and care planning needs a place-based approach. It described the recommendation of a market stewardship role for government, including the support of local government, as a big win for children and families, and said it was an important acknowledgement that a one-size-fits-all approach does not work. Nilambik Shire Council has been recognised for exceptional customer service, ranking first in customer service benchmarking Australia's 2023 Mystery Shopping Program. The Council's engagement with the program supports its Customer First strategy, which focuses on customer experience. The Council scored 81.5% last year, surpassing the sector benchmark of 48.2%. The City of Greater Bendigo has thanked its residents for their patience as it responds to over 1,050 customer requests and damage from recent flash flooding. Approximately 304 properties were impacted since Christmas Day, with floods causing widespread damage to city infrastructure. The Council estimates the three flood events have caused approximately $5 million in damage and it will take a further three months to complete jobs related to the floods. Queensland fruit fly has been recently detected in the Yarra Ranges, specifically in the Lilydale area, prompting the Council and agribusiness Yarra Valley to work with landowners on containment and eradication measures. The Council is asking residents to be on the lookout for the fruit fly and to help prevent its spread. The Queensland fruit fly, which is active during fruiting season and in temperatures above 16 degrees, has been found in the region several times since February 2018. Good news for the town of Dalesford, which has been recognised as one of the top 10 most welcoming cities on earth in Booking.com's 12th Annual Traveller Review Awards. The awards are based on over 309 million verified customer reviews. Hepburn Shire Mayor Brian Hood said he was immensely proud of the honour, highlighting the unique beauty of the town, its striking landscapes, award-winning eateries and world-famous mineral springs and spa resorts and its distinct village feel. The locations to score better on the list were towns in Brazil, Greece and Portugal. Not bad company. And some Glenelg Shire news. The council there has decided to defer the Glenelg Shire Business and Tourism Awards until August 2025 due to resourcing issues. The awards which celebrate economic contributors in the Shire were originally scheduled for this May. In more Glenelg news, the council has adopted new governance rules which guide the conduct of council meetings after considering public feedback. Some proposed changes were reversed after the public consultation period, particularly regarding community question time, which was the main focus of the submissions received. Squeezing in some more news in the Victorian briefs, and John Watson has concluded his tenure as chairman of the Victorian Local Government Grants Commission after 11 years. During his tenure, the commission recommended the allocation of over $7.5 million in grants and held around 200 meetings with councils. Victorian councils were among the guests at the launch of a new soft plastics recycling facility in Melbourne this week. The Toner Plaz production plant was launched by Close the Loop Australia as part of the company's commitment to reducing the amount of soft plastics going to landfill. Close the Loop sees this week's event as another step towards circularity, highlighting the need to not just collect and recover, but to reuse materials across the supply chain. New cat 
confinement regulations in the city of Whittlesea have led to a 70% year-on-year decrease in cat-related complaints. During the first six months of the new rules, the council has supported pet owners through the transition with a range of resources. But the council says from this month, non-compliance with the regulations may result in fines. And Wellingtonshire has launched the Wellington Tracks and Trails initiative from the start of this month, a two-month community program aimed at promoting outdoor activities and improving accessibility of local tracks and trails. Participants can win prizes by visiting a participating track or trail, scanning a QR code and completing a survey. You're listening to the Local Government News Roundup. It's our 301st episode, recorded on the 2nd of February 2024. Thanks to all those who've been with us since the start and to our newer listeners who join us in increasing numbers every week from across Australia and around the world. Let's head interstate and into New South Wales, where Central Coast Council has been targeted by a cyber attack this week. Random card numbers were generated and tested for authenticity through the council's payment system. While hundreds of attempts were rejected, fewer than 20 were successful. But the council has warned there may be an impact on cardholders across Australia. It recommends cardholders check their banking transactions and contact their bank if they suspect their information has been compromised. The council has now reopened its payment channel based on advice from external cybersecurity experts that it is safe to do so, and it has put in another level of fraud control to the payment pathway. Despite a shark attack earlier this week, additional shark prevention measures will not be installed around Sydney Harbour, with the state government and the City of Sydney reportedly disagreeing over whose responsibility it is. Locals have called for a public enclosed swimming area at Elizabeth Bay, according to a report from the Daily Telegraph. Current prevention measures like shark nets and smart drum lines are not used within the harbour. Plans for an enclosed public pool were abandoned due to water quality concerns. And the City of Sydney says it won't be building enclosed harbourside pools until water quality is improved, which would require significant investment from the state government. Councillors at Hawkesbury were reportedly left extremely underwhelmed by a new affordable housing plan tabled at a council meeting this week. The plan, submitted by the Western Sydney Planning Partnership, requires only 1.5% of new homes in the Western Sydney area to be designated as affordable housing. The plan also proposes a levy on new developments to fund affordable housing. The Daily Telegraph reported that councillors have argued the measures are insufficient given the scale of the housing crisis, with 100,000 people on public housing waiting lists and estimates of 129,000 households needing affordable housing by 2041. The Hawkesbury councillor reaction is echoed in a report to be presented to Wollongong City Council next week. Officers at that council have described the state government reforms as one-size-fits-all. They say the reforms don't recognise the individual character and constraints in Wollongong and argue that some of the reforms will override the council's housing strategy adopted last year. That's according to today's Illawarra Mercury. Shoalhaven City Council has decided not to proceed with an application for a proposed special rate variation, opting instead for a range of measures to improve financial stability. The decision was made at a reconvened meeting this week to break a deadlock amongst councillors and to be able to advise a way forward to the administration. The council will now conduct workshops to improve efficiencies, asset management planning and to increase revenue through sales of underperforming assets. Mayor Amanda Findlay said the decision 
decision necessitates stringent monitoring of expenditure and adjustments to capital works projects and maintenance programs. She said the need for a special rate variation has not gone away, but had merely been pushed to the next council to be elected in September. Kiama Council yesterday resolved to decline all tenders for the divestment of the Blue Haven Bonera Aged Care Facility and to enter direct negotiations with the preferred tenderer. Mayor Neil Riley said it was one of the biggest decisions ever made by the council, but that the sale is essential to reduce debt and liquidity and urgency is required. The Illawarra Mercury reported that police were called to clear the gallery from what it described as a tense meeting. At the same meeting, a letter from the New South Wales Minister for Local Government was tabled, recognising the significant financial challenges the Council is facing. The letter from Ron Honig acknowledged the substantial efforts made by the Council to address the issues that led to the issuance of a performance improvement order in November 2022. Despite those efforts, the Minister feels progress should be faster and the PIO will be altered and its enforcement will continue. An independent report prepared by John Rayner, who was appointed by the Minister to conduct a review of the Council's situation was also tabled and described by CEO Jane Stroud as a factual and fair appraisal of the Council's current financial predicament. She has shared her ongoing concerns about the state of the Council's finances, emphasising the urgent need for decisive and collective action to ensure the financial sustainability of the local government now and into the future. In Adelaide, the City Council has voted to develop a sustainability incentive scheme for residents and businesses to purchase e-bikes and cargo bikes and to install new or replace broken bike racks on private property. In Daily reports that the scheme aligns with the integrated climate strategy endorsed by the Council, which aims to triple the number of city workers commuting by bike and double the number of residents walking to work. While e-bikes are becoming increasingly popular, concerns have been raised about differentiating them from e-scooters and ensuring appropriate regulations and insurance coverage. In Townsville, there have been multiple incidents of physical, verbal and online abuse towards council recovery crews working to clean up after ex-tropical cyclone Kiralee. Chair of the Townsville Local Disaster Management Group and Mayor of Townsville, Jenny Hill, condemned the attacks, which included a man being physically assaulted in the cab of his truck. She said the behaviour will not be tolerated and will be reported to police, and she's called for patience and cooperation as council staff members continue to work under heatwave conditions to clean up the city. Banana Shire Council in central Queensland and the AUKUS Forum have signed a historic partnership to spotlight Queensland's regional manufacturing and industrial capabilities on the global stage. The collaboration aims to drive innovation, investment and economic growth in the region. Mayor Councillor Nev Ferrier believes the partnership will benefit local small, medium and large industries within the Shire by attracting investment and creating more skilled jobs. The AUKUS Forum founder Michael Sharp commended the Council's initiative, saying it aligns with the Forum's mission to leverage the AUKUS agreement and the opportunities that it brings. And the City of Perth's Lord Mayor Basil Zemplis and his now-revealed state political ambition was the focus of questioning from residents at the City's annual electors meeting this week. Mr Zemplis has confirmed his intention to join the Liberal Party and run for pre-selection in the seat of Churchlands. Despite concerns from residents about potential conflicts of interest, 
Lord Mayor Zemplis has vowed that his political aspirations will not interfere with his mayoral duties. WA Today reported that he also pointed out that several sitting politicians had balanced similar roles and he intends to keep his position as mayor until February 2025. Briefly in other news, Brett Kelly has resigned from his position as Interim General Manager at Kyogle Council after only seven weeks. He was appointed to the role in December when a majority of councillors controversially terminated the services of former GM Graham Kennett. Mr Kelly has accepted a senior management position elsewhere, according to IndyNR.com. The Mercury has reported on the cost to Launceston Council to defend 18 planning decisions at the Tasmanian Civil and Administrative Tribunal. The council spent nearly $300,000 over two years, with the most expensive case being the rail trail at Golconda Road, costing nearly $69,000. The appeals represented 1.4% of all approved development applications over the same period. And Rockhampton Zoo is set to undergo significant renovations with a $7.5 million council project, including a new visitor entrance and amenities. The project has received $1.5 million from the Australian Government's Building Better Regions Fund and will commence soon, with aims for it to be completed by Christmas. Now on the Local Government News Roundup, it's time for the International Spotlight. Catching up on a bit of news out of the UK firstly, and the government there is encouraging English councils to sell public assets worth up to £23 billion to address budget shortfalls. The Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities, led by Michael Gove, is considering plans to allow councils to use money from asset sales to meet budget pressures. Critics warn of a potential fire sale of public assets and argue that this approach does not address long-term financial pressures. Some councils have already identified libraries, civic halls and other community facilities for potential sale, according to a report this week from The Guardian. The Telegraph has reported that high-income earners in the UK may be prohibited from renting council houses under new proposals by Mr Gove aimed at ensuring homes go to those in greatest financial need. The proposed law would establish a nationwide salary threshold for new social housing tenants. The policy will not affect existing tenants or those who receive a pay rise above the threshold. The proposal also includes a ban of up to five years for those who commit antisocial behaviour and a British home for British workers policy requiring a decade-long UK connection and a two-year local area link. Buckinghamshire Council has been criticised for earning £450,000 by allowing a closed school site to be used as a filming location. The Netflix series Heartstopper is one example of a production using the site for filming. BBC News reports the school was closed in 2019 after an inadequate inspection result. Despite complaints from parents and local officials about the school's closure, the council maintains that the income from filming is being used to offset the ongoing vacancy and security costs at the site, and no profit is being made. A UK think tank has called for an immediate revaluation of all domestic properties in England to improve local government finance and a long-term reform of the council tax system. The National Powerhouse Partnership suggests that this would create a fairer system that reflects market changes since the last valuation 
1991, according to a report from localgov.co.uk. The think tank also proposed the introduction of three new council tax super bans for properties worth £2 million and above, with revenue distributed nationwide to support less affluent areas. Additionally, it's arguing for an extension and deepening of devolution, including new Level 4 mayoralties and additional powers for metro mayors. Anne-Marie O'Donnell, the Chief Executive of Glasgow City Council, has announced that she'll be stepping down in May after nearly a decade in the role and a 30-year career in local government. O'Donnell, who has overseen significant changes in the council and managed challenges such as the COVID pandemic and equal pay court cases, will remain in her position until a new Chief Executive is appointed. She's expressed a desire to make room in her life for other pursuits. And let's head across to the US for our final two stories today. In New York, the City Council has, as expected, overridden Mayor Eric Adams' vetoes on a solitary confinement ban and a police transparency bill. The solitary confinement bill requires individuals in city custody to have at least 14 hours of -of out-of-cell time in a group setting, except in specific circumstances. The police transparency bill, known as the How Many Stops bill, mandates the NYPD to publicly report on police civilian investigative stops and consent searches and to expand reporting on vehicle stops. ABC News is among those reporting on Mayor Adams's criticism of the council decisions. He is arguing it will make New Yorkers and law enforcement officers less safe. And in Arizona, a state senator has announced she will be giving up her Senate position in what she describes as the gridlocked legislature to run for Phoenix City Council. Senator Anna Hernandez believes she can make a more meaningful impact at the local level, addressing issues such as police violence, housing reform, support for unsheltered residents and climate change. The seat she will attempt to win is currently held by the city's vice mayor, who is campaigning for a seat in Congress. Read more in a story posted online by kgzz.org. That brings us to the end of today's edition of the Local Government News Roundup, recorded on the 2nd of February 2024, and brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association with support from Davidson. All the links to the stories referenced in this episode are in the transcript, which you'll find at lgnewsroundup.com. And while you're there, check out the latest breaking news updates that come through and learn how you can support the Roundup by becoming a subscriber, if you so wish, through a small monthly contribution, which you can cancel at any time. Thank you so much to those who have subscribed thus far. It is greatly appreciated. The Roundup is recorded in the city of Greater Geelong, Victoria, on the land of the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation. And I'll be back with more local government news very soon. Until our next edition, thank you for listening and bye for now. The Local Government News Roundup is brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association. As Victorian councils go to elections later this year, the VLGA is ready to support communities and councils in good governance. A series of workshops has been designed to increase understanding of the local government sector, the work of councils and the role of a councillor. Registrations are being taken now for workshops in May on standing for local government and local women leading change. 
member councils should look out for the VLGA's 2024 Local Government Election Pre-Candidate Prospectus, available soon. Find out more about how the VLGA can support your council and community during this important time in the local government election cycle. Visit vlga.org.au.